Shalom, I'm back. This is a continuation of the uh, question that the brother had asked um, uh, via email. So if you have any uh, questions, uh, definitely feel free to ask me. You can email me at a new song is sung at protonmail.com. So I'm going to reread the uh, email for, you know, brothers and sisters out there that are listening to this broadcast. This is a previous um, or is a previous broadcast. The, the last broadcast is going into uh, a brother's question, but I didn't get a chance to uh, to really go into, um, you know, the entirety of it. So I, I basically broke down the first a uh, question that he asked and uh, I got to continue. So the brother uh, um, sent this um, email and it says, Shalom Akim, I was doing some Bible reading and I noticed that Ethiopia is mentioned quite a few times in Bible, in a Bible like Amos 9, 7, Acts 8 and 27, because in these scriptures, uh, Ethiopia is mentioned in the book of Acts, uh, or Slakia, the book of Amos, which the Lord, um, basically asked was Israel like the Ethiopians. And that was like a question, you know, basically it was like, um, you know, um, a question that the Lord knew, you know, it's like a, it's a rhetorical question, like, or, or, or you, uh, like the Ethiopians, and the question is no, because we're Israelites, we're not Hermetic, and we determined in, in the uh, last broadcast that the Israelites are not from Ham, you know, they're not Cushites, the Ethiopians, the Egyptians, the Libyans, and the Canaanites, those are uh, from the descendants of Ham, you know, you can look uh, in the Zonovan Bible Dictionary, and it tell you that uh, we're not of Ham. It says not the Negroes specifically, and it gave all those nations that I just spoke of. And it says, um, let me read that again. I was doing some Bible reading, and I noticed that Ethiopia is mentioned quite a few times in the Bible, like Amos nine and seven, Acts eight and twenty seven, which in the book of Acts eight. And 27 goes into the Ethiopian eunuch, and we're going to go into that. This is, and I read about Solomon and Queen Makeda, which is the queen, the queen of Sheba, written of in the book of First Kings chapter 1, verse 10. And I went into all of that. So you got to go back into that because I'm going I'm to definitely uh, get right into the book of Acts chapter 8 and 27 on this broadcast. So uh, you had the Queen of Sheba. Or Queen Makeda, she went to uh, visit Solomon because she heard of his of his wealth and of, and of his wisdom, and she really didn't believe it. And what happened was when she came there, she was impressed. She she saw how uh, Solomon was very rich. The kingdom was decked; it was laid. He had servants, and everything was in order. The food was right. You know, he you know he he very much impressed her. And he mainly impressed her with his knowledge because he had knowledge above all men on the earth and everything that she asked. He was able to answer all of her questions to the point where she felt bad because she didn't believe it, you know, or she didn't believe what she heard because what she heard was rumors. She didn't know for sure, but she she didn't believe it. So when when she actually um, 
went there and saw that uh, she underestimated him. You know, he really uh, impressed her, you know, and and she brought substance when she when she uh, visited. She didn't come empty handed. She came with a lot of stuff. And and, uh, when she left, you know, he basically gave her the royal bounty, which is basically a royal authority or royal power. But I would assume that it was, you know, you know, I don't want I don't want to assume, but, uh, you know, she she definitely didn't leave empty handed because he gave her a lot of knowledge, you know, stuff that she asked and she she uh, received it. It says, um. Acts eight twenty seven. I read about Solomon and Queen Makeda possibly having a son named Menelik, and uh, that Ethiopia was the earliest form of Christianity sixty years before Rome, prior to Judaism. How to Ethiopia? How is Ethiopia rooted in the, to the Bible? So to answer that question, you know, um, I had went to, um, and I'll read it again. Uh, let's see. If I have it on uh, on here, I don't know if I have it on here. So let's see. So let's close some of these windows. Let's see. That's an X. So I read. Uh, let's see. I got so many windows up here, but I have to. I have to uh, go through that. Uh, yeah, here it is, right here. So. I read uh, and I'll go back over just to uh, clarify and uh, and uh, just go into that. So I read about the Queen of Sheba. This is in Black History in the Bible dot com. And it's in the uh, the um, the, you know, basically the page is uh, the Queen of Sheba, King Solomon's Ethiopian mistress. It says uh, the Queen of Sheba is one of the people that stands out in the scripture, even though there isn't a lot that is said about her. Yeah, because the uh, the scriptures, you know, it is, uh, you know, don't go into a lot of detail. So she was a, you know, Ethiopian princess. She heard about Solomon. That's, you know, you know, in the book of first Kings about his fame. So she went to visit him. So she wanted to ask him, you know, basically hard questions. So he asked her, or so like as she asked him, and he he um he answered all of them, and it goes into how, um, Sheba she uh basically gave him substance like gold, silver, and uh, also uh you know um her uh, her uh, army not army but her uh, navy which was Hiram. You know, Hiram Abiff, the uh, master builder, like the Mason, you know, he's a, you know, uh, real good with buildings, you know, building uh, structures, you know, to the point where the Freemasons actually use the whole uh, compass and square. So in that, it goes into that, but it, it lets you not in a Freemason thing. And I just wanted to add that, but I'll just tell you right here what it says, Solomon's secret son. It said, while it doesn't appear in the Bible, so it doesn't appear in the Bible, there is a huge part of Ethiopian culture that does believe Solomon had a son with the Queen of Sheba. Now, it don't say it in the Bible, not saying that it, it couldn't have happened because um, 
as you know, we understand biblical history, there would be alliances made between uh, the different nations, you know, um, uh, you know, they would marry, you know, basically to keep peace and and have an alliance. But the Bible don't don't state it, you know, that 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 was the case. And. Let's see. And going back to. um, To what I was saying previously, say, for instance, I'm being hypothetical, say, for instance, if um, Solomon and, and Sheba did have a have a son, you know, and I explained that if that was the case, then that son would be an Israelite, according to the Bible, because it's based off the seed of the father. But that don't, um, you know, validate that the Ethiopians or the Jews, that would be just like a, um, an Israelite living in a foreign land. Because out of that, say, you know, again, hypothetically, out of that one union, it, you know, that's not going to re, you know, change the, 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 uh, the lineage of, um, of Ethiopians. It's not like the Moors where the Moors came in and, and conquered s- Southern Europe and Europe and, and they had, you know, all these, uh, uh, you know, women of the other nations and they repopulated certain parts of, uh, like, you know, Spain, Portugal, and Sicily and all of that, that's different. But this was like, you know, one, one man, you know, so even that, you know, even that would, it wouldn't be, uh, very unlikely, which we know that, um, that they have no lineage, uh, towards, you know, towards, uh, Israel as the Jews, you know, so that, that, uh, that, um, that I will say, uh, brother, that, um, that because of, uh, Solomon's knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, and the fact that Sheba, uh, which is from Ethiopia, went and uh, questioned King Solomon, that would be your, you know, basically your origins of, of, uh, Christianity, you know, with, uh, Ethiopia, you know, the fact that, you know, there, that's that connection, but that don't mean that they're Israelites, you know, and that don't, that just means that, um, you know, these people, um, had, what's the word I need to use? They, they had a, a history with Israel. That's all it means. Really. They had a history with Israel. They're, you know, like an older nation, and they um, encountered Israel's king. And out of that, you know, would come, you know, basically rumors, just like uh, we just read in this black history in the Bible. It was it's all based off rumors. So a lot of this, what I believe is that this, you know, whole um, Ethiopian, you know, the churches and 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 uh, the the um, you know the the history when it comes to so called Judaism you know which the issues the issues are into that you know 
the uh, Judaism, you know, people who are claiming to be Jews, that's that's their religion. It's not it's not according to the Bible. So J Judaism is not, uh, you know, the same as uh, the Hebrew Israelite culture, you know, the, the Bible, the Holy Bible, the law, statutes and commandments. So let's go into the word Judaism. What that means. So the word Judaism, it says, is an Abrahamic, monotheistic, and ethnic religion comprising the collective religious, cultural, and legal tradition and civilization of the Jewish people. So it says the Jewish people, not the Israelite people, because the people that are Jewish, the word Jewish ish is a suffix that doesn't mean um, the same thing as a Jew. Because the people that are claiming to be Jews, they have taken on certain cultures, uh, particularly the, the Hebrew culture, and kind of, um, you know, made their own thing out of it. The same way with the uh, Ethiopian Jews or the Ethiopian, as they claim to be Jewish or Jews. That's all it means is not that they are from the tribe of Judah, because the word Jew is derived off the word Judah, Yahweh. That's the so-called Negroes here in America. It says it has its roots as an organized religion in the Middle East during the Bronze Age. So that's where Judaism come out of the Bronze Age. Uh, it says some scholars argue that modern Judaism evolved from Yahwism. It says the religion of ancient Israel and Judah. So um, the issues, uh, they have no no uh, cultural history because when, when it goes into like, uh, and let's go to the Bronze Age. It says the Bronze Age is, is historic period between 3300 BC to 1200 BC. It says that was characterized by the use of bronze. So this is this is actually going into the culture of Israel, the real Jews, the Bronze Age. But what happens is that um, the the issues will will and have claimed our heritage, because because uh, Judaism don't go back that far. Judaism go back to the uh, what's that the eleventh, uh, I think the eleventh and twelfth century, and a good book to get. Is the uh, the uh, thirteen tribes by Arthur Kosler? He breaks that down about how, um, in order for the Jewish people to be real Jews, it has to be a thirteenth tribe, and there's only twelve tribes. They converted, you know. And that would be around the time of uh, the medieval time. You know, about the, uh, uh, what's that, the 11th, between the 11th and 13th century. And they, they're they trying to say that it's a myth that uh, we believe that uh, that uh, uh, Judaism started around that time. Because they, they don't have no ties to the land. They don't, you know. And that would be during the time... Uh, of the what's that the Byzantine Byzantine Empire 
and what's that history of the Jews in Ukraine? Because you got a lot of issues that's in Ukraine now, and that's that's a hot topic now with the war. But yeah, check out uh, the Thirteenth Tribe that goes into uh, the uh, the history of Judaism because uh, right here it's going to give like a, a real slanted view when you go to Wikipedia. Let me let me do a little bit more research. What uh, Judaism? Um, let's see. Let's go to the 13th tribe. Because in that book, it go into the history. You really got to go into the history of the issues. These are the people that's claiming our heritage. And he was a ish. He was a Jew. Or Jew-ish, you know. It's in, in, we, you know, a lot of people you, you use the word the Jews or whatever like that. But really... The real Jews is you so-called Negroes, but they, you know, they have taken on a heritage and it goes into the uh, Khazarian Empire. That's uh, the Khazars, the people that call themselves Jews, they're Khazars or what you call Amalek, Amalekites. Those are the people that are going around saying that they're Jews, just like how the Ethiopians is going around saying they're Jews. So that's uh, Arthur Kosler. And his death is mysterious too. It was like, they, you know, a lot of us brothers believe that they offed him, they killed him for bringing this out, you know, that he was, uh, he was breaking down that the people that's claiming to be Jews and he went through all the history, you know, through the, you know, going into Ashkenazis because that's also another, um, Oh, another way to uh, describe the Amalekites, they're Edomites, but, you know, you have the different tribes within Edom, the Ashkenazis. So it says Arthur Kosler advances in the thesis that Ashkenazi Jews are not descended from the historical Israelites of antiquity, but from Khazars. So they are Turkic uh, people from the Caucasus Mountains of Georgia, Russia. They come from Eastern Europe. That's why a lot of the issues uh, during uh, what's that World War Two they came out of like Poland and Ukraine and uh, Czechos I think uh, was that Yugoslavia you know uh, Germany and all of that because they that's where they've been they they weren't in the land of Israel now their lineage goes back to Esau which. Esau is from Mount Seir, which is not too far from Israel, but they were already out of the land by then. And they're not Israelites. They're they're um, they're not from uh, from the promise. So it says uh, Kosler's hypothesis is that the Khazars converted to Judaism in the eighth century and migrated westwards. It says into Eastern Europe in the 12th and 13th century when the Khazars empire was collapsing because they were between a Muslim in a country, a Muslim in a Christian country. So they had to take on uh, a neutral religion, which was uh, basically the Hebrew uh, Israel, uh, 
culture, or you might use the word loosely religion, which is not our religion. It's our, it's our, our history, our law, statutes and commandments, our culture, our heritage. It says, um, he traces the history of the ancient Khazar empire, a major, but almost forgotten empire in Eastern Europe, which the dark ages converted, which in the dark ages, which is the time when the Israelites was ruling in, in uh, Europe, they converted into Judaism. So that's where, you know, like when I uh, read about the bronze age, that's going into our history. We, we go all the way back to the bronze age, you know, Israel, because Israel's a young nation. You had cultures that already been around before the formation of Israel, because just like in Egypt, uh, Egypt um, was already a, a ruling, a, you know, a, a kingdom, you know, the Egyptians. And then the Israelites came to Egypt. It was just 70 souls. So out of, uh, you know, being in Egypt, uh, we, we came out a nation, you know, 12, 12 tribes, you know. But, um, you know, the Khazars, they had this empire and it collapsed. And as it says, it says he traces the history of ancient Khazar empire, a major but almost forgotten empire to Eastern Europe. So going back to what I was saying about um, Ukraine, that's Eastern Europe. It says, which is in the dark age, or it says, which in the dark ages, which is the time when the Moors, Negroes from the tribe of Judah, who was taken on the religion of Islam, uh, the, the Ishes or the Khazars, they converted into Judaism or to Judaism. It says, because the area was finally wiped out by the forces of Genghis Khan, which evidence indicate the Khazars themselves migrated to Russia or migrated to the Russian Pale of Settlement and became known as the German or Ashkenazi Jews. That's where you get a lot of the uh, Jewish people. They're actually of Ashkenazi descent, you know, and then you have the ones that are Sephardic. You know, the Ashkenazis, they look more European and then the Sephardic, they're the ones that look more uh, ethnic. They have the, you know, basically the larger noses. They have dark, like curly hair. They have the, you know, the Hasidic Jews with the cur curls and the big hats, the dark suits and you know the yarmulkes that's where you get your uh you know differences in um in the the uh, jewish people so even uh the the hebrew which is yiddish is a form of guttural german so let's go into that let's see hey the water brother for because you know going into this this uh, <laughs> this is um, allowing me to go back into stuff that I learned years ago. But, you know, um, you know, Lord, allow where, you know, some of the information I can remember and some of it gets kind of kind of cloudy, you know. So it's a blessing, you know, you know, hearing from brothers and sisters out there that might have questions, you know. So the word Yiddish, which is, you know, basically uh, a modern, modern form of Hebrew is not the ancient. When I greet you, brothers and sisters, I say, Yahweh, that's the Heavenly Father's name in the, the Paleo Hebrew, the ancient Hebrew, the Lashawan Kodash means the holy or pure tongue. And then you have the modern Hebrew, which is Yiddish, which is what, which is what the uh, Jewish people speak, you know, they'll, they'll, um, 
those, you know, come up to the camps or some of them that speak Yiddish and they'll act like that they're speaking the real Hebrew and, and they're not. They're speaking basically a dialect of, a, of you know, of a their language, you know, Yiddish, and then they mixed it up with Jew, Jewish, uh, you know, or um, the Jewish religion, but also they have mixed it up with the, um, the Hebrew words. It's modern Hebrew. It's not the ancient. So it says Yiddish, um, pronounced Jewish, uh, is Judeo-German, going back to what we just read about the uh, Khazars being from a German or Ashkenazi descent is which another thing is that the whole thing with Hitler, they, they saying that Hitler was a Jew, you know, his grandfather was a Jew. That's a whole nother subject. It says is a Western Germanic language historically spoken by Ashkenazi Jews. It really originally, it says it originated during the ninth century. That's what we just talked about, you know, in uh, Arthur Coastler's book about the ninth century, you know, during the time of uh, the Byzantine Empire. It says in Central Europe, providing the nascent Ashkenazi community with a high German based vernacular fused with many elements taken from Hebrew. So it's that whole um, mixing of the language, just like you have a lot of uh, uh, so-called Puerto Ricans. They speak was known as Spanglish. They speak Spanish, but then they'll mix it up with English. That's the same thing that these, uh, uh, you know, uh, Ashkenazis are doing. They have taken their language uh, and mixed it up with Hebrew. It says, Noli uh, Mishnayak. It says, some extent Aramaic or Salakia, Aramaic. Most varieties also have substantial influence from Slavic languages. So it's a form of Slavic languages. And uh, it says, and the vocabulary contains traces of influence of Rom Romance languages. So what's Romance languages? It says, uh, less commonly referred to as Latin languages or Neo-Latin languages. Yiddish writings uses the Hebrew alphabet. In the 1990s, there were around... 1.52 million speakers of Yiddish, mostly Hasidic, going back to those Hasidic Jews, which are the, uh, it says Hasidic, Hasidism, sometimes spelled Chassidism, so like if I'm not saying it right, Chassidism, also known as Hasidic Jew, Judaism, is a Jewish religion group that rose as a spiritual revival movement in the territory of contemporary Western Ukraine during the 18th century. So the whole Hasidic uh, religion, Judaism, it come out of the Ukraine. It's like it come out of the Ukraine. It says in already Jews in 2012, the Center for Applied Linguistics Estimate the number of speakers to have a worldwide peak at 11 million prior to World War II, with the number of speakers in the United States and Canada token totaling. I'm shit. I can barely talk tonight. I did a, several lessons, so I'm running out of steam. It says in Canada, then totaling 150,000. 
So yeah, that's where you get your um your Yiddish language. It's not it's not ancient. It's it's it only go back uh, you know, uh, what is that? Um to the ninth century. It originated during the ninth century. Israel been around since uh BC, you know, BC times. This is the ninth century. So just the language alone tell you if the language only started then, do you know in hell that uh that them uh their uh culture or heritage linking to Israel is not it don't go back that far. Exactly around the time that language evolved is when they started taking on our heritage and culture during the dark ages. This is the early survival reference uh, date from the twelfth century and call the language language of Ashkenaz. So that that alone lets you know that they're not the people and these Ethiopians claiming to be Jews. So that's uh We'll go, let's go into their history. It says, history of the Jews in Ethiopia. It says, the Jews, the history of the Jews in Ethiopia refers to the people in Ethiopia who practice Judaism. And we just determined that Judaism only came about since, what, the ninth century, the language during the time of the Dark Ages, the Byzantine Empire, it says, or have Jewish ancestry. They don't say Hebrew ancestry. They say Judaism or Jewish. Salakia, so which shows you that their history doesn't say Hebrew Israelite. It says Judaism. It says the history goes back millennia. The largest Jewish group in Ethiopia is, it, is uh, the Beta Israel. So they're they're in they're in Israel right now, you know, but they're not the real Jews. We already determined that they don't um they're not of the bloodline, they're they're Hermetic. It says also known as Ethiopian Jews, offshoots of the Beta Israel include a Beta Abraham, the Falasha Mura. It says Ethiopian Jews who were converted to Christianity some of whom had reverted to Judaism. Addis Ababa is home of a small community of Adini Jew, Jews. Chabad also maintains president, a presence in Addis Ababa. So, you know, you heard the term Falasha Jews or Falash. They're, you know, they're Ethiopians, but they're not the real Jews. They're, they're uh, converts as as we determine the issues or the converts. They're not they're not the real people of the Bible. Let's see. I'm going to see if I can find out the definition of Falash.
So it says Falasha also that's how it's also pronounced Falasha. So it says um it goes back to Beta Israel, which we you know, which we read about. Uh it says orientation and identification of Falasha or Northern Ethiopian Highland population of Jewish belief. It don't say Hebrews, it says Jewish belief. Uh, it says they are one of the dozens of small ethnic minorities in Ethiopia and have been recognized in nationality in the Ethiopian Constitution of 1986. So they're, they're basically they're a, a small ethnic minority. They're like a sect, S-E-C-T, sect. It says uh, the location traditional Falasha area lies in the central Ethiopian plateau is elevated mostly about 2,000 meters. This gives like the land, land mass. See, it says linguistic affiliation. The Falasha speak the Semitic languages of the majority population of, of the areas. Amharic um, and Tigrinya respectively in the middle ages and particularly up to the mid 19th century they spoke a goo a kush a kushitic or kushitic language so they spoke kushite they're, they're kushites so they spoke their language it says of the original inhabitants of ethiopia plateau it says before the arrival of semitic speakers of Ge'ez, tigria and Amharic from the north in the 1950s, owing to the emergency ties of the Falasha with Israel, some Hebrews were introduced by young teachers trained in Israel. In Israel, the Falasha retained Amharic and Tigrina among themselves, but also learned Hebrew. It says the history of origins of the Falasha, the black Jews of Ethiopia, is one of the perennial subjects of scholarly scholarly uh, and popular debate. These Jewish beliefs different uh, different in kind in litur liturgical form from nomadic Talmudic Judaism. Now Talmudic Judaism, the, the the book of Talmud is evil is witchcraft. So that alone already will let you know that uh that is false and it's not of the lord you know it's basically um the talmud is very wicked you know because the issues they go into the uh, talmud and what they what they say is blasphemous in that book you know maybe the lord's will i can go into that history and um because uh a lot of the issues the reason why there's uh, they do a lot of wicked stuff is that they read out of the talmud and the um and they're into Kabbalah, which is witchcraft sorcery. It says um suggests a, a prior priory an ancient link with the land of Israel and the Israelites. Cause that uh Tal Talmudic uh I believe goes back to Babylon, you know, a lot of the witchcraft and sorcery. It says the uh, popular ideal being that their ancestors migrated to Ethiopia in the time of King Solomon's kingdom. Going into what we was talking about the uh, Amalek 
or uh, Menelik. Uh, it says, as a group of highborn assistants and teachers, teachers who accompany Menelik. So that's where you get your, um, you know, like the origin of, a, you know, so-called Judaism. And Judaism don't go back far, but just the link between Israelites and Ethiopia goes back to what we just read in the book of First uh, um, uh, Kings chapter 10. It says, um, as a group of high-born assistants and teachers who accompany Menelik. So, and like I say, even before that, uh, just just say for remotely, you know, and I and I always say remotely because the Bible don't speak on it. So don't don't say that I said that. But I'm saying just hypothetically, which is again I use that word hypothetically. Say if Menelik was uh, Solomon's son, it still says that uh, it was uh, highborn assistants and teachers who accompanied him, accompanied him, who was according to Ethiopian ecclesiastical tradition the son. Of Solomon and the Queen of Sheba back to Ascom from Jerusalem, the historical basis of the legend. So it's a legend. It's not true. You know, a legend is a myth. You know, it's either yes or no. It says in the various other posting of ancient link of Elisha with the Israelites of old. Uh, it's a very tenuous, indeed, recent research in the language, liturgical music of Beta Israel points to a close relationship with the uh, Ethiopian church tradition to the intent that the former has a, to a significant um, degree has shaped by the latter occasional references to Jews or Israelites in various religious, religious and historical documents can not be assured to refer to Falasha as long-established Jewish community in Ethiopia, deserving of more serious consideration of the accounts of medieval travelers who mention a country where Jews live independently in mountain fortresses, fighting for Christian emperors and defending their faith. So it's all just basically a myth, mythology, you know, going into um, the Jew-ish and the uh, Ethiopian Jews or whatnot, it's all myth. It's not. It's not biblical, you know. So yeah, we. I went back over that, but I just wanted to establish that. So let's go into the brother's uh, second question because I believe I did uh, answer your questions in regard to um, about. Um, and let's go back over it. Yeah, I went over uh, Amos 9 and 7 and I went back over that and then I answered your question, you know, which I believe, brother, just, click, you know, email me if, if there's any other questions you need to ask. But I believe I answered the question about um, Solomon, Queen Makita, which is uh, Queen of Sheba, possibly having a son. We determined that that was a, it's a myth. The Bible don't say it. So. The Bible don't say it. We can't just go off of uh, hearsay, you know, or, or you know. But you know, you did mention that you said you heard about it or, or you read about it. So, 
it's not saying on here that you believe it, but you just wanted that, you know, you wanted your questions asked. So, you know, I try my best to, you know, answer it. And it says Ethiopia was the earliest form of Christianity, 60 years before Rome, prior to Judaism, because the uh, Roman, uh, like during the time of, uh, like, uh, what's that? The Council of Nicaea. That's that's in the, the third and fourth generation. Not I said third and fourth generation. The second and third century, if I'm not mistaken, the Council of Nicaea. Let's find that out right quick. I forgot. Council. What year was that? And we saw that there, you know, the Falasha Jews don't go back that far. Yeah, three three twenty five. So that was in three twenty five A.D. The first Council of Nicaea. It says the first Council of Nicaea was the Council of Christian Bishops uh, convened in the Bithynian city of Nicaea by the Roman Emperor Constantine. So that's when the you know basically the Catholic Church or the Eastern or it says Catholic Church. Um, or the Christians, you know, the Roman, by the Roman Emperor Constantine. So it was when the Romans started to take on Christian Christianity, you know. Let's see. So let's see when, let's go back into when the uh, Ethiopia... Jewish Jews. Uh, let's go back to the origin, Ethiopian Jews' origin. So, you know, like it, like a red. You know, the formation of Falasha goes back not that far. But remember, we just uh, went over how uh, Solomon, you know, during Solomon's reign, that Ethiopia was um, interacting, you know, through the Queen of Sheba, interacting with uh, King Solomon. So technically, it does the history go back. But so far as their religion, it, it don't it don't say that it goes back that far, just like the issues. It's talking about the uh, the ninth century, you know. It doesn't, you know, it don't go, you know, all the way back to the Bronze Age, you know. So that's that's pretty much it. Let me move on to the next question. It says, um, uh, it says before Rome, prior to Judaism, how. Uh, oh no! You you asked the question. It says prior to Judaism, how is Ethiopia rooted? It says earliest form of Christianity sixty years before Rome, which is um, uh, during the you know like during the, the Council of Nicaea, the three twenty three twenty five A.D. It says prior to Judaism, so older than Jew is Judaism. How is Ethiopia rooted to the Bible? So that brother that goes into again Solomon dealing with um 
the Queen of Sheba, you know, asking her questions and possibly, you know, um, they did something. But so far, it's like biblical history. It don't say that, um, you know, that he was a, that he was actually an Israelite or even he's not even mentioned in the scriptures. Uh, Menelik. Let's see. I want to double check because I, I, from from what I've, uh, you know, I might be wrong, but yeah, it's all it's all myth. You know, it's not. He is the uh, it says, uh, Menelik was the claimed first emperor of Ethiopia, according to the Kimbra Nascot, a fourth. 14th century national epic in the 10th century BC. He is said to have inaugurated the Solomonic dynasty of Ethiopia. He's not, like I was right, he's not mentioned in the Bible. That's, that's coming from their culture, you know, and it, it has to line up with the scripture. So that's ooh. I'm at, I'm at, I got about fifteen minutes, man. I'm I'm salaki. I'm a bit long winded. So I believe that I answer your questions. And again, just email me if I didn't. This is what significance in the Bible does Ethiopia play? I'm trying to get a better understanding. So, like it says, I believe I answered that question. Uh, we you know we determined that uh, the Ethiopians uh, or or Hematic. So let's go into the word because um, Ethiopian um, has a future has a future judgment, you know, because all nations, um, they went against Israel, all the heathen nations at some point. So let's go to the to the one scripture that that let us know that their judgment uh is set, you know, the Lord is going to judge him. Messiah is going to get all these nations. So this is the book of Zephaniah chapter two, verse 12. And we're going to uh, actually start. We're going to start at. Um, at verse nine, this is the book of Zephaniah, chapter two, verse nine, it says, therefore, as I live, saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, not not the, the Ethiopians, but the God of Israel, surely Moab shall be as Sodom. So the Moabites 
Moab, which is the Moabites, it says shall be as Sodom. So that you're talking about some destruction. What happened with Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah? It says in the children of Ammon as Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed by fire. So that's the future judgment. It says even the breathing of nettles and the salt pits and a perpetual desolation, the residue of my people shall spoil them. So the, so the Israelites are going to spoil the heathens, you know, the uh, Moab and Ammon, which are the Chinese people and the Japanese people. It says, and the remnant of my people shall possess them. So they're going to go into slavery. The, the Moabites, the, the Ammonites, that's their, uh, that's their uh, lot. It says, this shall they have for their pride because the Moab and Ammon, the Chinese people, the Japanese, they're proud as hell. You know, they look how they do the Negro women in those stores beating the shit out of them for for stealing a uh, hair weave and all kind of shit, man. Be locking them in a the store, you know, and, them, you know, and a lot of Negro women, they go back there because of, you know, having low self-esteem, you know, buying, buying those wigs and stuff like that. But that's as a part of the curses Bible going to the sister's hair and not being able to grow. It says, because they have reproached and magnified themselves against the people of the Lord of hosts. So these people yeah, reproached Israel, you know, they, they are right along with the heathens, you know, have reproached and, and magnified themselves. They look down on us, you know, all the nations, the heathen nations look down on us. It says, the Lord will be terrible unto them. So the Lord is going to be terrible unto these heathen nations. So he says, for he will famish all the gods of the earth because these heathen nations, they have their different gods like Buddha and all the, you know, the different deities that they worship, the dragon and, and all these different things. It says, and men shall worship him, every one from his place, even all the owls of the heathen. It says, ye Ethiopians also shall be slain by my sword. So the Ethiopians going to get it too. It says, ye Ethiopians also shall be slain by my sword. So not only Moab and Ammon, but then the Ethiopians. It says, and he will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria and will make Nineveh a desolation and dry like a wilderness and flocks shall lie down in the midst of her and all the beasts of the nations, both the cormorant and the bittern shall lodge in the upper lentils of it. Their voice shall sing in the windows. Desolation shall be in the threshold. He shall uncover the cedar work, which is going into those animals dwelling in um, homes after the destruction, after, you know, uh, uh, nuclear fire. This is the rejoicing city that dwelt carelessly that said in her heart, I am, and there is none beside me. This is going into Babylon, the great called America. That's, um, let's say in her heart, I am because, uh, America, you know, uh, you know, the minds of the people here that's controlling, um, uh, you know, basically, uh, this earth, you know, the elites, they believe that they're God, you know what I'm saying? So they say, I am the, the spirit of Babylon, the great say that she she's a God that horde is set upon many waters. It says, how is she become a desolation, a place of beasts to lie down and everyone that passes by her shall hiss and wag his hand. So that's the destruction 
upon the heathen nations, specifically um, uh, the Ethiopians going to be destroyed uh, by the Lord's word. So let's go to Acts. And I might have to. I, I think um, I might have to end up um, doing doing this lesson um, uh, later on because um, I, I want to um, I'm not going to rush it. You know, I got a few minutes, but um, and as far as um, let's see, let's close some of these windows as far as uh, the the um, Ethiopian eunuch. Um, you had Israelites and I might be able to break that down right quick. So let's go, let's go into the book of, uh, Acts chapter, um, uh, eight and, um, 26, you know, this is the next question of brother as it says, and he rose and went and behold a man of Ethiopian, Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah, which is Isaiah, the prophet. It says, then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to them and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understand thou what thou readest? So Philip um, asked him a question. Do you understand what you're reading? And this is what the eunuch said. And he said, how can I accept some man should guide me? So the, you know, the Ethiopian eunuch was saying, how, how can I unless somebody help me or guide me or teach me? It says, and he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And it says the place of the scripture, which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before the shear. So open he not his mouth. So this is a prophecy of the Messiah who is the, the, the lamb of God. And this is talking about during his uh, persecution. You know, he didn't he didn't open his mouth when he was accusing him. He uh, basically was like a lamb. He, he was, uh, you know, not fighting back. Scripture says that if if uh, what's that if, if this was my world my servants would fight because the Lord he could he could dispatch a legions of angels but he was like that sh uh, sheep you know that was uh, basically um, having his wool uh, shaven you know that's what it says before his shear it says in the humiliation his judgment was taken away and shall declare his generation. Who shall declare his generation for is his for his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this of himself or some other man. So uh, the eunuch was asking in this, you know, about the scripture. Who, who is he talking about? Is he talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? It says, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Yahweh Shai. So he, he started preaching to the uh, the uh, the um, Ethiopian eunuch. So this is the um, the thing um, the Lord told the disciples who became apostles apostles 
go not into the way of the Gentiles, but speak to lost sheep of the house of Israel. So the Bible also says that the, um, that the Lord never dealt with any other nation. He shows his word to Jacob. So this uh, Ethiopian was actually an Israelite. He was, it, it says a man of Ethiopia. So it doesn't say he's an Ethiopian, a man of Ethiopia. So he lived in Ethiopia. That'd be like us saying, yeah, he's from America. Well, you're not American. You're, you're living in America. And that was the same way with the Ethiopians. And I also go uh, into how the Israelites were carried away into captivity and were Ethiopian, it's like it, not Ethiopians, but were, uh, were uh, eunuchs. You're going to you. Um, and when I break down this uh, scripture, which I'm going to go back over, I just wanted to read this. I'm going to definitely go back over it. It says. Um, and as they went on their way, they came into a certain water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? So the eunuch was saying, here's some water, you know. What would stop me from being baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. So the uh, Philip was saying, look, if you believe with all your heart, then you could be baptized. And he answered and said, I believe that Yahweh Shahamashiach is the son of God. So because the Ethiopian eunuch believed that was uh, his, um, you know, confirmation to being baptized because he believed that the Messiah, the Hamashiach, Yahweh Shai, was the son of God. It said, and he commanded the chariot to stand still and went down both into the water. It says both Philip and, and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So Philip baptized the eunuch, you know, because he believed in Yahweh Shai. It says, and when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more. So uh Philip, he was uh he basically he uh he he uh would you call he um he uh what's the word I need to use? He um damn what's he like he uh what's the word dang I can't remember the word you know what you you know what you uh you know uh, brothers what I'm trying to say. He like uh he disappeared you know he he like you know he he went into like a in so many words he went into a portal because it says right here it says he went and when they were come out of the water the spirit of the Lord caught Philip that the eunuch saw him no more and when he went on his way rejoicing. So uh, the eunuch was rejoicing, but Philip was found at Zatas and passing through. He preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So he, he left one uh, part of the city and was like, he disappeared and went to another, you know, I can't think of that word for the life of me, but uh, you brothers know, know the word I'm trying to say, you know, he, um, you know, he, you know, basically disappeared and went into uh, another city. That That's a sign and I'm tired. <laughs> I've been going. So I hope that was edifying uh, uh, to you, brother and sisters out there, you brothers and sisters out there. Uh, I'm going to definitely go back into this a little bit more, but I wanted to kind of answer it. Then I got to get back in into um 
the meat of the lesson going into, you know, how Israel was, uh, was taken away as, uh, as strangers into other nations. So other than that, Shalom, peace and blessings.